As with many of the scriptures that we have in the Word of God, there are those that give us hope, give us encouragement, but that also challenge us in a life that we live, in a seriousness of what is involved, what is expected out of us. We're saying about we are the light of the world. We have a reference to the world about who God is. Our conviction about what we believe he has said to the, to the degree that we are willing to follow it within our lives. It's one that reminds us of the duration of being prepared to do the service that God has given to us. The ten bridesmaids have made preparation. We're not prepared, these five of them were not prepared for the duration of what would be asked of them. That happens oftentimes in our life as to the joy of being invited to that wedding feast and the job or the responsibility that is given to us once it is done. For us to seriously consider and reflect at times within our life, what is the focus of our lives? What calls our attention? What do we ponder uh, upon? And can it be taken away? And do we really have all that we need to sustain us through life's twists and sudden turns? Living life itself is an experience, a challenge. Living a life as a child of God has its twists and its turns in there as well. Because we deal with a foe that is set for the destruction of our souls. We deal with a foe that is persistent in his attacks upon us. May not be the same attack all the time, but he will attack all the time in various ways. We know that we need to draw near to God and he'll draw near to us. We know that we need to resist Satan and he'll leave. But he indeed will come back again. And it's a challenge for us to keep that perspective in our minds and there's a time when we need to remember at least out of this parable the joyous privilege that we've been asked to participate in. We can look at drawbacks in life. We can look at difficulties that we face as being children of God. We can see the trials, the tribulations, the rejection that Jesus went through and and be told that if they persecuted him, that they will persecute us. 
they wouldn't receive his word, that they won't receive our word. And sometimes we forget what a joy it is to have received that invitation to be part of that wedding. But then to remember the obligation that goes along with it. Early in, in Matthew, in chapter 7, verses 24 through 27, Jesus talks about the wise man and the foolish man and the building of a house. The wise man building his on a rock and the foolish man building his upon the sand. A house is built, but upon what foundation? What is the foundation that we have in serving God? What is the foundation we have for being this child of God or this invitation to be a part of that wedding feast? How long do we expect that house to stand? Again, it depends on that foundation. It depends upon that preparation that you made or that commitment that was made to be this child of God every day that we live until we've drawn our last breath and enter into eternity. Some want to serve as long as things are going well. Some will serve, but then the length of duty becomes a problem for some. The five or the ten virgins Bridesmaids had accepted the invitation. I'd made preparation. Took the oil lamps and were ready. But when the delay came, and the delay is more on our perspective, if you will, than on the Lord's. We're on the Father's part because He knows the day and the hour. But the fact that He hadn't come And as Matthew is writing years after the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus, as Matthew is writing later on in life, several decades could have passed, and as we read in other accounts, excuse me, in 1 Thessalonians, for example, and even over in 1 Corinthians 15, there were already those who were beginning to lose faith. That the resurrection wasn't coming. And to begin to question, because of the delay, what happens to those who had died earlier than the Lord's return? 
Whereas Peter will describe there will be the mockings. And Paul talks about that in Romans 15 a little bit as well. The mockings. The resurrection is already passed. Or it's not going to happen. And that question, where is your faith or what is your faith in? In whom is your faith? Do you believe in a God who keeps his word? Again, we deal with beginning of days and end of days. We judge things by time frame. How long is this going to happen? How long are we going to endure and so forth? And sometimes we forget. God is not bound by time as we are. But God is bound by his word. And that he will indeed keep his word. And ours is to have that trust and that faith that we have in him. Oh, there's joy in that first part of life as a child of God. That joy of that freedom that we experience when we come up out of that watery grave of baptism. Knowing that as we repented of our sins, as they were buried in that watery grave of baptism, we're raised to walk in this brand new life. All sins are washed away and remembered by God no more. And it's a joy being this child of God. Welcome into a spiritual family. And at times, remind individuals, you need to understand that when you're baptized into Christ for the remission of your sins, when you're raised out of that water to walk in newness of life, the only thing in life that has changed is you. You still live in the physical world. You still have problems to face. If you had difficulties in life before becoming a Christian, they're not automatically removed. You have a new source with which to help you to deal with, but they're still there. You've got a cantankerous boss. He, he has not changed when you became a Christian. Whatever other problems are there, they're still there. And you get to deal with them day by day. And some of those problems stay with us. We have to remind ourselves. And some will fall away because it's not what they thought it was going to be. They thought all those problems would go away. They thought as they may have listened to some or had anticipated in some degree or another, everything will change when I become a Christian. All the problems will be gone. All the problems will be solved. And that's not the case. So the challenge is there. We need to be prepared and we need to be ready for our responsibilities along the way. We're anticipating moving forward 
to that marriage supper of the Lamb described in Revelation 19 and verse 9. The anticipation of something so far greater than anything that we've ever imagined before. The hard concept at times to, to grapple with. Eternity in the presence of God Almighty in a place that's been prepared for us in his house. And to enjoy the privileges that go with that. To know that there's been nothing here that we have done that was worthy of that. The worthiness comes from the blood that we have allowed to wash away our sins. The worthiness comes by our walking in the light as he is in the light. But there is this expectation of what is expected of us as we live here on this earth. Earlier in Matthew, in the previous chapter, chapter 24, verses 45 through 51, the parable of the master and two servants. One who was prepared to do the master's will while he was away. One who was found doing the work when the master returned. So being prepared is having that oil. It means working faithfully for the Lord. Five were foolish, did not take the oil with them, did not take the preparation. Were not willing to do the task, regardless of how long it was. Sometimes we we set time frames that God has not set. Well, by this time, this is the way things ought to be. By this time, this is where we ought to be. By this time, this is what we should be doing. And things do not work that way. And sometimes discouragement sets in. Sometimes it's, again, that recognition. We'll be doing the Father's will. A little bit later in chapter 25, verses 14 through 30, we have the the parable of the talents, the capabilities that God has given to us, the five, the two, and the one talent. Again, in the first century, the talent was a measure of money, a fairly substantial measure of money. Nowadays, we use it basically to refer to capabilities that we have. The application is the same. Each one has been given different capabilities in serving God. And it is the responsibility of each one to accept that obligation. To use what they have. As the songs sometimes go, I may not be able to preach like Paul or sing like the angels, but I can tell the story of Jesus and tell that he died for all. 
may not have the talent that another has. But I am not judged by the talent that another has. Nor am I judged by the talents that others think that I do have. I'm judged by the talents that God has given to me to use those. And then to believe as the parable brings out that can grow and they can multiply. But he gave to each one, verse 15 of Matthew 25, according to their several abilities, God gives according to the ability of the one to whom he has given that to. The one talent man had ability. The one talent man could have used what he had been given. In light of the five and the two talents, it would have been multiplied. He could use what he had been given, but he was afraid. And oftentimes that enters into our lives. We are afraid. It's in the physical realm. Sometimes we're afraid to try things. Or we tried them and they failed to try them again. What will we do when the Lord comes? What will we do when death comes? Will we have been using what God has given to us? Part of the effectiveness of Satan is saying, you've got enough time. Do not need to do it yet. This tool is, you know what you need to do. It's just not time. How many times do we work with that one? I know I need to, but. I could, but. I should, but. There's still time. There's still time for me to make the change. There's still time for me to do what I need to do. And we forget as death tells us every day, time always runs short. Again, I do not know the number. It does not matter. But I do know there are countless souls will enter into eternity today. And very few of them will enter into eternity prepared to meet their God. Most of them, the majority of them, never expected today to be their last day on this earth. I'm going to have tomorrow. I can do that tomorrow. Do we trust God? Use what we have while it is still called today. Doing His will 
A little bit later in Matthew 25, verses 31 through 46, we have the judgment of the nations all appearing before him. It's interesting as we read through and see the various parables that are given for us of how we use the phrases that are used even knowing the end result of the phrases that are used. Lord, when did we ever see you naked and not clothe you? When did we ever see you hungry and not feed you? When did we ever see you sick and not tend to you? See you in prison and not visit you? When did we ever see that? When you did not do it unto the least of these, my brethren, you did it not unto me. If I knew it was the Lord, how many times would we change what we've done? How many times would we justify our not doing by the various excuses that we render? Doing our works before men so that God may be glorified. Let your light shine. That the world may see your good works and may glorify your Father who is in heaven. Matthew 5, 16 and following. When did we not listen to the greatest of the commandments? Loving God with all our heart. And the second, loving your neighbor as yourself. Taking that time to do the bidding of God within our lives. A good beginning is not yet a race. One can start well. But how do we continue on in the life that we live? Finishing the race requires our staying with it through the rough, the trials, the tribulations, the setbacks, the disappointments, the joys, the rewards, the anticipations, all of that is involved. But staying with it, with it until the end of our time. Back in chapter 13 of Matthew, verses 45 and 46. On his own, finding the pearl of great price. It's absolutely pointless. The person found a pearl of great price. But that's not where it ends. Going on to declare the pearl of great price. It's not sufficient. It's only when we are prepared to see the thing through and listen and go and sell everything in order to have it. How valuable is eternity in heaven to you? 
What are you willing to give up in order to obtain it? You cannot purchase it. The price that is beyond measure was the blood of Jesus Christ. He purchased our redemption. But what are we willing to do to obtain eternity with God? Are we willing to sell everything that we have? Do we understand in the first place it's not ours to even begin with? What do you have that you haven't received? Have you received it? Why do you act like you haven't? The life you have right now is because it's been given to you. It's not yours. It's been given to you. Whatever you have, the capabilities are not yours. They've been given to you. You develop them. And we understand, but we often forget. Again, what Solomon of old said in the book of Ecclesiastes. Everything you have, you're leaving behind for another. And who knows whether he be wise or foolish. It's one of those interesting thoughts to ponder on. Everything that you seek to accumulate. And we already know that up and down the line. The things that your grandparents cherished have no value to you. They're not the same importance to you. Or the things that your parents have or on down it's going to go. And we think what we have that is valuable to us, we're going to leave it to another and it'll be valuable to them. Through the years, for various reasons, I've picked up several Bibles along the way. Some are old family Bibles with the names written in it. Evidently, it has no value at all to that family because they no longer have it. It mentioned the fact that recently had rebound two family Bibles in our family. One that was my grandfather's side on my dad's side and one grandfather's Bible on my mother's side. And they were in bad shape. So I had them rebound. Guess of, of who values them? You think my children do? <laughs> it's only me. And why do I value them? Because it's my only tie, if you will, to my grandparents. I only had one grandparent that was alive when I was born. And he died when I was 10. So I didn't know my grandparents. But this, connect, this is a connection for me. That's just valuable to me. But I'm saying, I'm going to leave it behind. And I know I've got one here, and I got one up in Springfield that said, "Please, Dad, take care of things before you die, so I don't have to take care of them." So I'm trying to figure out what I'm going to do with them. Everything we have, we're going to leave behind. The only thing we take with us into eternity is our soul. 
And the only question that we need to ask, has that soul been washed in the blood of the Lamb? And does that soul continue to allow that blood of the Lamb to wash away their sins? Five were foolish and five were wise. Which one will characterize you? It's a choice that we make in our life. It's one we need to think very seriously about as we make it. Just as I am without one plea of that Christ's blood was shed for me. Just as I am. It's one of those songs again that we think about and that we're reminded of. We are able to come to Christ just as we are. We're able to become his child, be raised to walk in newness of life. But we are not able to remain just as we are. Because that person died in baptism. In Christ we are a new creation and we have a new life. So we do change and we must change. To walk in the light as he is in the light. To have fellowship with him. If you look at your life this morning, where is it? Where is it? If there's a need for you to make a change in your life. Be it to become a child of God or be it to renew that life in Christ Jesus again. Now is the time to do that. Because now is the only time you really are promised or have. If you're subject to that invitation, if we could assist you, if we could help you in any way, indeed we bid you to come as together we stand and sing.